Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Colossians chapter 1, excuse me, 2. Colossians chapter 2. Just a reminder, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, we have several free copies right outside the double doors. We invite you to take one on the way out. We would love for you to have a Bible of your own. Uh, This morning we return after a hiatus, after a break, uh, to our study of Colossians. And we're going to be looking at Colossians 2, verses 16 through 23. Let's stand as you're able for the reading of God's Word. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, and going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that it is inerrant, that it is authoritative, that it is from you. So Father, would you by your spirit change us? little bit by little bit, from one degree of glory to the next, even now. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. We must be careful to make sure that we don't let unbiblical rituals and religious practices become part of our spiritual walk with Jesus. That's the thesis today. That's what we're talking about. We must be careful to make sure that we don't let unbiblical rituals and religious practices become part of our spiritual walk with the Lord. God has given us in His Word um, how He should be worshipped, how He should be followed, how He should be served. He's told us in His Word how we are to grow in Him um, and, and what the Christian life is meant to look like spiritually. And and when we are following those things, we'll be able to identify practices that though they may be popular in the the greater popular culture, uh, that many people may be doing, and even some who may say they are Christians, we will be able to, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, to be able to make sure that, that we know what God wants us to do and how we're to do it and how we're to worship Him and how we're to follow Him. Let me give you an illustration of where I'm going this morning. In my last church, uh, there was a young man who I think became a Christian. Uh, he went from not professing Christ to professing Christ. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of contact with him much long after that, but he, he came to a, a Bible study that we were having, and we were, we're learning how to study God's Word. It was a great Bible study. Had a bunch of folks in there who were new to the faith, and it was just a great class. And we got to the part about meditating on Scripture. Now, we are told 
in Scripture to meditate on the Word of God a day and night. And he was really excited about this. Now, the reason he was excited about this is that he was a yoga teacher, and part of his yoga was that he taught Eastern meditation. You know, Eastern meditation is different from what we call meditation. Eastern meditation is actually uh, taking as much out of your mind as possible, not focusing on anything, rather making your mind as empty as utterly possible. Now, now that actually is quite dangerous, I might add, because you open up your mind and your spirit to other things. The Bible, actually, the idea of meditation is you focus on Jesus, you focus on the Word of God, and you're filled with the Spirit. And so he was really excited about this. Now, now he was coming from a place of ignorance. He, He didn't know the difference between the two. And so at the end of our time together, he actually raised his hand and said, may I lead us in a time of meditation? And hopefully, kindly, I said, no, not right now, thank you. Because he wanted us to do something that seemed very religious, but in reality was very unhelpful for believers. You know, there will always be forces inside the church and outside the church, not talking about our church, but broadly speaking, the church, who will seek to change what our spiritual lives look like and what the Bible calls us to by either adding to or taking away what the Bible says. And sometimes Christians will unwittingly accept those things uh, because something might have more of a mystical flair. Or something will be more legalistic. Here's a book, and if you do these things and check off these boxes, then you'll really be a super-duper Christian. You know, the thing is that Jesus wants our hearts, and we have to make sure that we are walking with the Lord in such a way and using spiritual disciplines that God has set set before us as He seeks our heart, that we would seek Him as well. Sometimes we get bored. Sometimes we're looking for something new. Sometimes, a lot of times, I get impatient with how slowly my Christian growth is going. Do you ever get impatient? I'm struggling with that sin again. I fell in that way again. It's nice to think there's a get-rich-quick scheme that will fix all that. The latest book, the newest ritual, this one thing that somebody else is doing that you're not. The reality is that Christian spirituality, if we, I think that's a helpful term, uh, uh, it looks like pursuing Jesus. It's actually very simple as we seek to pursue Jesus through His Word, the sacraments, and prayer as we gather as God's people. Now, that may not be as flashy as the latest trend. You know, it may not promise the quickest results of the latest book. But in the end, it's the only way that God grows us, by His Spirit working through those things is the only thing that will change us in a lasting manner. So we must be careful lest we let unbiblical rituals and religious practices become part of our spiritual walk with the Lord. Paul begins in verses 16 through 17 by warning us that we substitute the old for the new. The old for the new. So there was this move to bring in the old instead of the new. We'll get to the new instead of the old later. 
We read there, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You'll remember that Colossians was written to a small church in a small town, just like ours. A small church in a small town. It was on an important highway going from different places. And there were uh, false teachers who were coming in and teaching bad doctrine. And this is the central passage of Colossians dealing with that bad doctrine. They were dealing with that threat, but also another threat of the believers in the Colossian church returning back to their wild, sensuous, uh, sexual lives that they had lived before they became believers. So there was this twofold uh, threat to the Colossian church. And so Paul here is going to address the false doctrine. It was common in the ancient world uh, for traveling teachers to show up in a city, a town, and go to the public square, and people would gather and hear them, an itinerant preacher. And they would often be invited later, this happened to Paul, by the way, several places, they would often be later to speak in a synagogue or in an amphitheater or a group of people in their home, and then it was expected they would get money out of the deal. This is how they made their living. Now, someone who comes from the outside often has an assumed authority because they're from somewhere else. I remember talking to a believer in England once, and, uh, and he was a, a growing brother in Christ. And I said, you know, if you showed up in Alabama, people would listen to you because you have an English accent, right? Someone who has an English accent automatically sounds smarter than any of us. You're going to listen to that person. Uh, when in reality, he was just a dear brother in the same kind of season of life I was. Now, that's kind of what's going on here. These people with this outside authority, have shown up and started teaching some things that, that weren't quite right. They were coming in and saying that, oh yeah, you might be a Christian, but in order to get to the next level of spirituality, in, or perhaps even really to actually be saved, or, or what you've heard is good enough as far as it goes, but you need a little more. This happened in the church in Galatia as well. They were coming in, and, and it was a real mixture of things. It was a mixture of Old Testament regulation and bringing in these pagan beliefs of angel worship and visions and marrying them together that sounded really good, but in the end were unbiblical and saying, these are things you need to do in order to know Jesus better. They were baptizing this with Jesus language. And Paul says, watch out, watch out. One of the things they were doing is saying you have to go back to the Old Testament regulations. The Old Testament regulations of what you eat and the observance, of the, the very strict observance of how you observe the Sabbath and these festivals. Now, let me say that there's nothing wrong with marking as believers a Jewish festival. Have you ever been to a Seder meal? Do you know what I'm talking about? A Seder meal is a, is a Passover meal. And it's specifically done in a lot of Christian churches to show us our Jewish roots and how it points us to Christ. Uh, I've, did you go with me, babe? We went to Young Meadows uh, where we, went, we participated in a Seder meal, and the pastor, Jim Simon, did a great job talking about the, uh, Christ in the Old Testament. And I learned a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. What is wrong is saying you have to do this if you're a Christian, or if you really want to be a really super-duper growing Christian, then you have to do this. You've missed out if you haven't done this. The Bible would say, you have Jesus. If you miss Jesus, then you miss out. But if you have Jesus, you haven't missed out. They were coming in and adding things 
so that people might level up spiritually. You know, the Old Testament regulations weren't bad. In fact, they were good. The Old Testament is the Word of God, still is. Uh, These were good regulations that God had given to His people in order to train them to get ready for Jesus. We have this relationship here where Paul is saying that these are the shadow of the substance who is Christ. These things in the Old Testament, like the dietary uh, laws, even and especially the ceremonial laws dealing with sacrifice and these festivals, they were great because they were teaching, pointing to Jesus. But now that Jesus has come, why would you go back to something that was just merely pointing to Him? John Calvin, I love what he says about this text. He says, uh, those who still adhere to the shadows, the shadows, are like those who would judge a man's appearance from his shadow when he's standing right there. If you want to know what someone looks like, what do you do? You don't look at the shadow, you look at him. Jesus had come. And even though these false teachers were saying, hey, you must do this in order to be super-duper Christians, I'm telling you, you have Jesus. And that's all you need. It wasn't, although, just that they were uh, seeking to return to the old days. They were also seeking to add to the regulations. You'll notice in verse 21 that he says, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Paul isn't saying this. He's quoting this about the fault teachers. They've begun to add things. Those, are, those aren't specifically things you'll find in the Old Testament. There's some things they weren't supposed to touch. There's some things they weren't supposed to taste. But they had also been saying, don't drink. Now, did you know that the Old Testament, it doesn't just say that drinking wine is okay. It actually says it's good. Psalm 104 says, God made wine to gladden the heart of man. Now, if you struggle with drunkenness, don't drink. If your conscience keeps you doing it, don't drink. If someone in your home struggles with alcoholism or drunkenness, don't drink. Those are good reasons to drink. Not to drink, excuse me. Uh, let me be real clear on that one. <laughs> uh, I, but do you see how they added to the Word of God? The Bible doesn't say don't drink. Doesn't, don't drink. It says don't get drunk. Don't cause your brother or sister to stumble. But they had added to it. And my friends, adding something to the Word of God is it's pretty problematic. So what's the big deal about all this? When we add something to our walk with the Lord that is outside what is required by Scripture, or or that we require something that's outside of Scripture, or, or that keeps us from something that the Bible would let us do, is taking the focus away from Jesus and putting it more on our actions and our observance of man made laws. You know, the thing is, our hearts want to be told what to do. Now, that sounds strange because we say that we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. But in reality, we like the idea of being told what to do so that we can meet it, check it off, and say, hey, look at me. But biblical Christianity doesn't work like that. We obey because we're saved. We don't do those things to be saved. And so we have to watch our own hearts that, that we would be careful to follow Christ. And and even the good things that we do, right? The good things we do. uh, You should do your Bible study. Please do. You should pray. Please do that. That's how you grow in Christ. However, let me tell you, 
If you think God loves you less today because you didn't have time for your Bible study this morning, then you've slipped into what Paul is talking about. Do you, do you see that? Jesus loves you, therefore you do your Bible study. You don't do your Bible study so that Jesus will love you. Our hearts, in the words of Calvin, are large idol makers. We're always making an idol out of something. And a lot of times it's, for especially men, we're performance-based, right? How have I done today? If I've had a bad day, well, then God must not love me very much. Or I've done well today, man. <laughs> man, God loves me today. Do you know that God's love for you doesn't change? It doesn't wax or wane. It is perfect, and it can neither grow nor diminish. There's no room for change. Well, there's another appeal here that the false teachers are coming in, and they're, and they're trying to bring back a lot of the ritual and ceremony. Now, Old Testament religion, uh, Old Testament Judaism, uh, had a lot of ceremony. Uh, people said certain things at certain times. The singers came in at just the right moment. Uh, the priests had to wear certain things. They had certain washing rituals they had to go through. And, and a lot of those things were given by God to His people for a purpose. And then some things were added as well by man that were more unhelpful. But, you know, we like ritual. We like ceremony. Have you ever been to a football game? You talk about ritual. You've been to a baseball game? What was your song you walked out to, if you can mention it, in, 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 uh, Sam, in baseball? What, what song did you walk out to? Maybe I shouldn't mention it. Sam had a song that he walked out to on the baseball field. <laughs> and, uh, right? and, you, and you knew who it was, even if you weren't paying attention. You heard the song, oh, that's Sam. Right? Or, or, or what happens after um, third down? Is it third down when you get the gong at Alabama football games? Right? You know it's third down. If you're not paying attention, you hear that gong in the kitchen, and you know it's third down. We like ceremony. We like ritual. It does something for us. Now, ceremony and ritual, those things aren't bad. They actually can give rhythms to life. I came from a church before this one that had no ritual because we hadn't existed the year before. And then when it came time for Easter meals and, and Christmas Eve, what do you do? You have to make it up. You don't know who to call and what to do. You have to rewrite it every year. Ritual and tra traditions are good as long as they don't become the things that you're finding your comfort in. As long as those aren't the things that are bringing you solace, that those aren't the things you're focusing on. Ritual, ceremony, tradition, these are all good as long as they're pointing us to Jesus. And y'all, it can be very easy to engage with the rhythms of the Christian life without engaging Jesus. And that's what Paul is talking about. It can be easy to engage in the rhythms of the Christian life without engaging Jesus. And there's no hope there. We, we have to engage Jesus. He wants our hearts. I love the special that Jan picked out for us, that we return to the heart of worship. Uh, bring you a song, but you want more than a song, I think is what it says. Um, yeah, and I know that it's hard when we come to church. Satan is really active on Sunday mornings. I have to be here, and I'm thankful for it. It gets me out of bed every Sunday morning at 5 o'clock. Uh, it would be bad if I didn't show up. But you have a much harder fight than I do. Um, if you don't come long enough, I'll give you a call. But, you know, if you miss a couple times, I just assume you had other things going on. And you come to church, and sometimes you can come to church for the wrong reasons. I know I can. 
hey, you know what? Come to church anyway. You, you obey until your heart catches up sometimes. And, and then you come to church, you, you interact with Jesus, and you have another encounter with him, and he changes you, even when you may not want to be there. Um, but let's be careful with our rituals and be careful with the things we do over and over again that we seek Jesus, not the externals. Paul here is going to quote Isaiah 29, which Jesus also quotes in Mark 7. He said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines, the commandments of men. Ritual is good when it points to Jesus. Ritual is bad when it points to itself. All right, well, Paul continues in verse 18 with, uh, with more warnings. He says there, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his uh, sensuous mind. Now, there's another danger here that these false teachers were coming in and they had baptized things with a, key, with, a, with a connection to the Old Testament, right? Hey, these things, you've read about them or heard about them, uh, you should do those. But now we're going to also incorporate some other things, mystical things, pagan things. Now, this actually happens a lot in the modern church. Um, there, if you ever go through the Books a Million uh, Christian section, um, or the, a lot of times you'll see at Walgreens or a CVS or somewhere a Christian bookshelf. Um, and a lot of times those are really unhelpful books. Not always. There's some real good ones there too, I imagine. Um, but sometimes there's some really unhelpful stuff where it's marrying the pagan or the mystical with, uh, with Christianity. Let me give you an example. I, I remember when I was in high school, I was walking through the Books a Million Christian section have you heard of a Ouija board? Do you know what this is? You know, that it, first of all, it's demonic. Don't do it. Like, if you hear nothing else, hear me say this today. Don't do a Ouija board. It is straight from the devil. I'm not kidding. It is, it, you can't speak to dead people. It's called necromancy. And they would stone them in the Old Testament. Uh, so be careful of that. Or don't do it. Uh, but in the Christian section, at Books a Million, there was a Talk to Angels Ouija board. You were supposed to be able to talk to the angels. Now, it's interesting because we don't find that anywhere in Scripture. But that's actually one of the things that the, these false teachers were doing. They, they were insisting about um, worship of angels and going on in detail about visions. It's interesting. Uh, I've, I've read several books on angels. I've taught them a couple times on Wednesday nights about angels. Angels are a great gift of God. They minister to God's people. Uh, I think they protect us a lot of times. Uh, we've all heard stories that a car should have hit another one. There's no physics way that that didn't happen. And I just think God sent angels to, to change it, right? I think that happens. But it's interesting in Scripture, we don't find the focus on angels, do we? Angels, Greek, angelos, is actually messenger. An angel's job is to point to God, to deliver God's word to his people, to, uh, to point people to Jesus. And there was this group who was taking something spiritual, and instead of focusing on Jesus, it was saying, okay, Jesus is good, but let's, let's focus on this thing. You know, our, our spiritual walk is meant to be focused on Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, we have to be careful lest we fall into that trap of the latest fad. You know, a lot of times you'll find there, there are the popular books of 
you know, if you pray and you, you know, you, you draw circles on a paper and you uh, say these specific words, and there may be some good principles in there, but, but I just want you to think through. Next time there's a fad that comes up, run it through this grid. Is this something we find in Scripture or not? You know, why do these things appeal to us? Because sometimes it's easy to get impatient with the slow speed of our spiritual growth. And I get that. And I get that. And if you're, if you're in that spot, come talk to me. I have some great books I can, refer to, can, I can recommend to you. I'll order them for you. Um, some great books on spiritual growth. If you want to learn about the Bible, um, uh, Stuart and I have been texting this week about some, some books that he might want to read. Uh, I'll do the same for you. I'll send you the list I sent to him. Um, but the focus is Jesus. Well, as we return to the text, Paul tells us that these teachings of these false teachers, they might seem innocent, but in reality, their source is not good. Verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? The elemental spirits that Paul refers to here are demonic forces. Uh, You know, there are two religions in the world. Did you know this? There are two religions in the world. There's Christianity and there's man-made religion. There's Christianity and there's man-made religion. Man-made religion uh, is a great um, focus of demonic activity, and it says you do this in order to be accepted, saved, or forgiven, where the Bible says Christ has done, therefore you are accepted, saved, and forgiven. You receive Christ, and all these benefits become yours because you get Christ. Now, over and those two are like oil and water. The spirit is active in biblical Christianity. Demonic forces, the elemental spirits, are involved with man-made religion. And there's no hope in man-made religion, although our hearts love it, because we like the idea that we can do something about it, rather than receiving the gift that Christ has given us at the cross and at the resurrection. Verse 23, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. It's interesting that so many of the um, of, of false religions out there will promise you that if you do these things, if you deny yourself, you will have self-control. And you'll be able to have victory in your life over your fight with X, Y, and Z. But the reality is Paul's saying that the opposite is true. That it might look wise to the eyes, that it might seem that denying the goodness of the body, in addition to the goodness of the soul, God made both and He loves both of them, that if you deny um, things, if you don't do things that God has let you do, uh, if you just um, become a monk. Asceticism, is that's what monks do. They, they leave society. And if you do that, then you'll be able to fight sin. Paul says the exact opposite. There's no, those things actually feed our desires for the flesh rather than being able to stop them. Well, how do we land this plane? Verse 19, and not folding, holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. The real issue at hand was that the false teachers weren't clinging to Jesus. That's what it was. They weren't clinging to Jesus. They were focused on the externals, do's and don'ts. And there are do's and don'ts in Scripture. There's no doubt. It's called the law of God. 
But their focus was on the external and adding to it the mystical and incorporating pagan beliefs, and they weren't clinging to Jesus. Paul's answer to all this, do you want to grow in Christ? Christ is enough. You already have everything you need for life and godliness. First, Second Peter chapter 1. You already have everything you need for life and godliness. Colossians, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 says that we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you are a Christian, then Jesus is enough to save you. He's enough to grow you. He is enough to strengthen you because He loves you. And you are united to Him forever. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He has given you the Bible which tells you that you are a sinner deserving of hell. And He has given you His great word that He has taken hell upon Himself on the cross. The punishment that you and I deserve, Christ took on the cross. And no man-made religion will tell you that. No man-made religion, no false doctrine will tell you that God Himself took on flesh and was in your place as He lived for you and died for you and rose for you. He is the one who is our hope in this life and the next, and none other. And we need nothing besides Jesus. Jesus is enough. Cling to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Jesus, and that He is enough, that He is sufficient, that He is able to save us to the uttermost, that we can um, give to Him, entrust to Him our very souls, and that He will keep them on good deposit for the day in which he returns. Father, help us to look more to Jesus. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.